0: And I used to say to my clinics, my patients who were celebrities, you're just like every other patient. I, I'm i not gonna treat you just because you think it's, you know, it, it might be better for you because you're not paying for it. And, um, and also so that you can promote me, I'd rather, we have to get the right treatment. That's the best thing that we can do. Welcome to the Aesthetics Mastery Show. I'm Dr. Tim Pierce. Hi, I'm Miranda Pierce. And today we're talking about celebrity cosmetic disasters. We've had a new one recently, it's Zac Efron, which we need to talk about. Um, but we're also going to go a little bit deeper into some of the other celebrity cases. I've seen some of the nonsense that gets shared by the media about what these, what's actually causing these cases. And also, most importantly, what can you learn that will actually help your patients? How can you become a better injector by looking and understanding these cases in detail? Before we dive in, give us a like. We want to see if we can break our record and get over 600 likes on a video. It's only a small ask. We're only a small channel. Help us out.
1: (laughs) So can we just address an ethical question, which was highlighted recently with a UK celebrity, Charlotte Crosby, who has been on various reality TV shows. And she came out and criticised, I think it was Channel 5 TV, because they had done a whole show about her and what's gone wrong with her face what she had done all the rest of it and she said it was terrible body shaming so are we body shaming or I think with someone like Zac-, Zac Efron he seems so massive such a massive celebrity he almost feels untouchable and you kind of feel like you ought to be able to speak about it what where's the where's the boundary
0: well I, first of all I think it matters how you do it I think you you need to do it in a way that's very respectful to the individual and not because because actually the the way I would see it is that he's a victim of a of a of a clinician who hasn't given the best guidance, and I see my job as educating clinicians. So if this, it is that you can effectively see some of these cases as they're a bit like aesthetic complications or like an aesthetic injury, and one of our jobs as clinicians is is to minimise risk. And how do you learn about aesthetic complications without talking about the complications that come out there into the world and everyone's talking about or thinking about? Um, so the, the the key is that you that you're very respectful of the individual while still talking about what everyone is noticing. Because there is a truth that we can't escape, which is when when you see someone who's been overtreated, it's the first thing you think about, and it often obstructs you from listening to anything else they're saying. I, I don't know what Zach was talking about in this particular interview where this clip went viral, but I know that no one was talking about what he wanted them to talk about. And that that's what I think over-treatment does and bad treatments do, is they, they obstruct your ability to communicate. And in that way, he is he is currently suffering from a limitation caused by an aesthetic treatment, if we think that's what's going on. And we you can talk about it uh, for educational purposes, I think, but I don't think it's necessarily right to, to just... I mean, I think the media just have fun with it. You know, they're just, they're just basically selling papers. Um, and then it comes out in the open, and then we need to understand it. So I see the way I do it as slightly different to what I think the newspapers are doing. And there possibly is something unethical about what the newspapers do. In fact, there are loads of things unethical about what the newspapers do, but that's a different issue.
1: And I think as well, the clinicians watching this here, their customers are saying, oh, I can't book in because I don't want to look like X. So we need to understand what's gone wrong so we can communicate better with our patients.
0: Absolutely. And anyone who is, you know, a man looking to have a treatment in his chin or in his lips whatever is now going to be afraid that this will happen to him because this is the total opposite of what the intention of a good treatment is and and that's that's something we need to understand so that you can firstly not make the mistake but also answer the questions that your patients will have for you because they're all going to want you to have a solid answer about why you're not going to do that to them Uh, and that's why we need to understand it
1: apart from the ethics what else can we learn generally from these overtreatments
0: So when you see someone who is identifiably overtreated, as in they just don't look natural, or they look alien-like, or there are various terms obviously people use, um, it's really good practice, aesthetic practice, to get in and understand it. So um, I quite like, it's like a puzzle to solve, like what exactly has, has been overtreated, look back at the old pictures and try and figure out where it's gone a little bit too far. Um, and we're particularly looking for things that aren't just the individual looking different, but we're looking for things where the individual no longer looks quite human. And those are the most important aesthetic complications to understand. Whereas the um, the the you know people who have a transformation but still look amazing are probably not the issue that we're that we're really concerned about. So um, study it because that's how you make the decision when to stop injecting or when to add a bit more. And that's the hardest skill to get in aesthetics. There, there are, you can learn the ratios and the rules, but it's, it's much more subtle than any ratio or rule. You, you, need, to, you need to have that instinct mm-hmm. that enough is enough or it needs a bit more. And that comes from making conscious what is unconsciously immediately evident when you see someone looks so overtreated. Um, but we need to drive that information to the surface by really thinking about it.
1: OK, let's dive in with Zach, who is only a young man. He must be in his early 30s, something like that. What's... Got on here,
0: so I mean it's worth looking at some of the older pictures and and piecing it together. But it's clearly a lot. But I think other things are changing. I think it's useful looking at his before picture and seeing he's actually not the most masculine of faces. He's he's kind of in between in terms of his the the squareness of his jaw. You know, he's clearly a man. He's got a relatively short nose, um and he, he, I would put him on that kind of boyish good looks like that. That's Zach Efron his boyish good looks. Whereas the after picture is is Suddenly, he looks quite different. There's a whole different vibe going on. Um, I think his, his chin is clearly bigger. You can see that that's bigger mm-hmm. and squarer than than the, than the before pictures. Um, but there are some other things that I think are almost more important in terms of what, what is striking. He, he's certainly wider in, in his, at his gonial angle, and that's a very masculinizing look. And I can imagine if there was a treatment that that's, that's the kind of thing men go, go for. I always say that jawlines are a bit like cheeks for men. Like That's how you masculinize versus feminize. When you look at the overall face um, and there's definitely, it, it's not like he was weak there, but it definitely looks proportionally stronger. Um, I'm, I'm, for me, it's the lips that are the, are the most unnatural of all those things, because I think the jawline is definitely on, on that route, but it's the, it's the loss of his natural contours. It looks a little bit migrated. I mean, could, Who knows? It could have been done the, the day before and he could have swelling. So who knows? It may be fine in two days' time. But it's the loss of definition, and a a loss of his incisor shows a big sign. Like, that's one of the things that's often really striking about overtreated lips is when when they haven't got the the most amount of teeth showing behind their lip and you drop it by a millimetre it makes a huge difference. And especially if you can't see the teeth at all, you end up in this realm where they look like they haven't got teeth. And that um, is very... You never see it in the before and after pictures because on before and after pictures, most people have their mouth closed. As soon as there's a small gap in the mouth, if you've over-treated the lips and you can no longer see that little glint of white... That's a very big sign that you, that's something unnatural going on. Uh, I think the lower lip angles also broaden. If you, I mean, if you just look at it before, you actually had, like most men that have relatively small lips, it's actually a masculine thing to have relatively small mm. lips and a feminine thing to have big lips. Uh, and everyone knows this. It's not, I mean, I, I noticed it with our kids, we were playing that silly game where you where you put your tongue out and roll your bottom lip down. <laughs> And they said, oh, you look like a girl. And I thought, how interesting that they already associate larger lips with femininity. Um, remember that if you're treating men. Like most men, unless they want to look more feminine, which obviously is sometimes the request, um, if you just want to look younger you and you make their lips bigger, you can make them look feminine. Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's a little bit slightly wrong, I think, with the proportion of, of his lips um, that that's kind of adding to this caricaturish feel, unfortunately. Can I just ask a question there? Like, because like the... the big lips on men are being seen as more attractive now yeah sorry girls are finding it attractive on guys like whenever there's a guy with big lips coming on and i'm watching Mm. something with girls a lot of them my age are all being like oh yeah he's so handsome i don't know i don't know if that's a shift or what Mm. but i've just noticed that popping up yeah i I think it's it's you're welcome to leave this in the show by the way i'm not saying that anyone with large lips it looks looks feminine but if you but but i do think you tend to feminize a face when you make lips bigger. it's not a, not a hundred percent rule. None of these things are, but uh, and you can still look devilishly good, good looking and masculine <laughs> with Desolation. fuller lips. Um, but the injector is usually edging in the feminine direction. You're not making a face more masculine with bigger lips.
1: I feel like with Zac Efron because he's so young, it it it's bamboozling that he would have gone that far if he did. And I saw someone say that maybe it was steroids because you know he does. Um, bodybuilding and stuff.
0: Well, I, this, I'm also thinking that's definitely possible, certainly with his gonial angle, that he's he's uh, he's extremely muscly, works out all the time. And, and you'd expect some hypertrophy of the master muscle as well, if all because of the hormones that exercise produces, um, that you may get bigger master muscle. So he may have some of that width from exercising. Um, that's certainly part of it. But I, I don't think that explains the change in his chin and his lips.
1: Why do these images even go viral in the first place?
0: Well, I've been Kind of obviously paying attention to the space for a while now and I've definitely noticed a a trend of picking odd pictures and then making the story that they've had some kind of crazy plastic surgery mishap and then you see them a few months later and they're fine and there's something really it's that the worst part of the gossipiness in people to try and figure out what's going on that makes it very intriguing like if you see a paper and it says has she what's she done on her face like it's very hard not to want to pick that up and figure it out <laughs> so the newspapers anyone who's creating a blog who wants to get clicks will will make that story uh, you know something awful's gone ha- gone wrong with Demi Moore's face you know and you want to figure out what it is, you know, because we all know and like Demi Moore and she's been around my whole life and now she's ruined her face. I would need to figure out why. So it sells papers and it pulls people in. And I I think they're on the lookout for them. And anyone who looks odd, it's it's a plastic surgery mishap. And I've got some examples which will hopefully show you guys that a lot of it is nothing to do with plastic surgery. It's the papers playing us once again uh, for clicks. So we'll take a look at some of those cases.
1: So how about Demi Moore? Because she was well known for having amazing work or none at all. You know, we were always wondering for like the last twenty years. And now people are speculating she's had something done to her buckle fat.
0: Yeah, so that, that always intrigued me because I, I couldn't think of any reason why any surgeon would remove buckle fat from a lady of her age with her bone structure. It didn't make any sense, but but that certainly was was put out there as a potential explanation. Um but the other thing is that your buckle fat really doesn't go into the area where there's a problem. If you look at the picture in detail, the issue is not so much the shadow at the side, but the fact that the shadow continues all the way to her oral commissure. Mm. And that just looks odd. Like, you never see a face like that. It's so deeply unnatural that you, you think there's something wrong with it. And that's nothing to do with your buckle fat. Um, so, I, obviously, you kind of figure out what's going on with this. The, the great thing about the internet is you can find pictures that aren't just the one that went viral. So you can actually have a look at pictures of her on the same day this was taken, and you will see that she actually doesn't look that that different at all. So I've got one one clip on the bottom right of this image here that uh, you might be able to see in the background. Let me put it on the other one so you can see it. So there's one image here. I was just I did this just before we came on, watching a video of her arriving at that conference and or the fashion show, and there's a one frame where you can see that same area, and she looks totally normal to me. Um, also you can have a look on her Instagram page and see what she looks like yesterday because she's posted recently and she also looks normal. Right. So this this shadow is not a reflection of the shape of her face. It's something else. It's probably a combination of maybe they did some weird makeup to to get to make her look different It's a fashion show. It's not exactly like she's going to Aldi. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'd love to see Demi more in Aldi.
0: Yep. And it's also um, could be the lighting. I think lighting, photography and the selection of the photo, because there are other pictures taken even on the catwalk, which doesn't look quite as weird as this. And we all know this. If you take before and afters, that you can do amazing work and get the angle wrong and not see your result. Yeah. And you can get them to shift their head slightly. And suddenly the jawline looks amazing and you get a better picture. And photography and lighting is a huge part of many of these images as, as they go around the world. Um, that has nothing to do with the, the person actually having surgery. So that's why I think it's going on with Demi. I think there's, it's either makeup or lighting. But the fact that she looks so normal on the same day elsewhere, but also now... Um, tells me that this has nothing to do with having a buccal fat pad removed. Uh, the other one I thought was really interesting is Uma Thurman because Uma Thurman was also being used at conferences. I remember at a training day with a really great injector saying, you know, we've got to be careful of over-treatment and using this case, and studying it and trying to figure out, because she does look weird, and you're trying to figure out what is it that's wrong. And uh, I've come to the conclusion, and once again, this is a picture of, this, the after picture here is the Uma Thurman I know, but that's after that original picture was taken. And what's the difference? She hasn't got makeup on. She hasn't got mascara on. And I think it makes a huge difference to female faces. And I think men get tricked by this because we (laughs) don't know what what goes into putting makeup on. And I think most women do know. Um, Another one that really made me laugh was Hillary Clinton. Obviously, this is a while back, but I I remembered it. And because it's such a bizarre picture and you see it and, and you can't help but pick the newspaper up and figure out. What the hell's going on with her face? But um, and, you know, they showed a normal picture of her from 2016 and this new updated version. And you think, God, she's really gone too far. Hillary,
1: what are you up is it, to?
0: Is it cheek? You know, people are saying it's cheek filler and all that stuff. And I just thought, I don't think there's a cheek filler that would quite do that. Anyway, same same lady, same night, different angle, different photo. And yeah. it looks more normal. And that's the Hillary Clinton that we all know. It doesn't look it was neither are good pictures of her, I'm sure. Yeah, no, I mean, it was weird because it would... Firstly, what is this? I, mean, <laughs> I just can't imagine that she'd just book in for two balls. <laughs> two balls, you know? book me in for two balls, please. <laughs> such a, but also, it's so weird. And when you look closely at the picture, it's clearly, there's no texture on the skin. It's all yeah. obliterated. And there's some sort of weird Photoshopping going on. And maybe it was a quiet news day. And they thought, well, let's just make a Hillary... There's a weird picture of her. We'll do it, make it look slightly more weird and sell a few thousand mm-hmm. extra papers. And it's all made up.
1: It's funny because with celebrities, we think of them as having all these resources, and they do. But they also have all the eyes of the whole world analysing their every move. It's harder for them, isn't it?
0: There's, there's a number of, thing that, number of things that make celebrity treatments more difficult. Um, probably the primary thing is that we all know them from some of their best shots. And it's very easy to, to collate Bad, bad angles and bad images with the best possible images and create this huge difference. But it's also more interesting that our, our brains can process their images in a different way that you can't when you're face-to-face with someone. And the reason for that is when you're to and I've learned this from the consultation, when I'm face-to-face with someone talking to them, I cannot um, analyze their face as clearly as I can as when I switch off that part of my brain that is trying to understand what they're saying to me. Because humans, when they're face-to-face with each other, Um, you're digesting a lot more than just the contour of their cheek. You're worried about what they think of what you're saying and whether they're listening to you and whether you're being received appropriately and whether they're cross or sad or tired or angry, whatever. So you spend a lot of energy, I think, interpreting them and it's very hard to actually focus on the contour. Whereas when it's someone on a screen you don't have to worry about what they're thinking. You can just look at them in a, in a cleaner way. And I actually use this in my consultations. One, one tip I learned from uh, Dr. Zahabi, used to work for me is, is looking at your face upside down um, is one way to get get around this because then you can look at the contour in a without the noise of the communication element. Uh, but also photographs. It's really useful in your consultation to take a photograph and then to actually look at that, do your treatment plan that way. Um, that can help you get a bit more detail out of it. But I think there's something to do with your brain trying to do two things. And celebrities on the screen with photographs, we, we can just analyse them in, on, in a more detailed way.
1: And they have all these HD <clears throat> cameras and stuff as well these days.
0: Yeah. And of course, they're so well documented. And this has actually helped me with some celebrities I've treated, as you can go back in time and look at them over... Like we've done with these images, you can look at them at various stages of their life and see how things have progressed. But you can't do that with your neighbour next door when she's had a lip done. You can't look for a picture of her before because you probably don't have one. So and celebrities get away with a lot less, I think, for that reason.
1: So you just referenced having treated a celebrity there. There must be some weird dynamics that go on with the, with the, the doctors and, and the clinicians who are treating these celebrities. Is it, is it, is it simple? environment
0: oh it's not simple at all and it's really really worth thinking about because as you hopefully everyone watching is going to enjoy uh, success and one day you'll get a celebrity book in um but that the reason that they book in can change the dynamic of the consultation quite a lot and i remember this because we had for a short time had a pr company who had celebrities on the books and, and they would encourage you know us to collaborate and then the consultation was i immediately realized was all wrong because the 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 celebrity was there and these are fairly minor celebrities but there to get a free treatment and I'm there to try and promote my clinic and that immediately like quite quickly into it I realized this is this is not this is not the right way to do it like you 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 have to maintain that medical model and make sure you're treating for the right reasons and of course you know if katie price books into your clinic you are so excited because you think everyone's going to see me on twitter and then all the floodgates will open and we'll get all these bookings which by the way is not how it works <laughs> unfortunately um but it's uh, but but so there's an incentive for you to find something you can do and then you're no longer focusing on what your patient really needs and you're no longer good at guiding them in the way that you really should so i very quickly decided i'm not going to play that game it, it felt wrong and I used to say to my clinics you' my patients who were celebrities, you're just like every other patient i I'm not going to treat you just because you think it's you know it, it might be better for you because you're not paying for it and um and also so that you can promote me I would rather we have to get the right treatment that's the best thing that we can do uh, and it is complex as well because most of them are very much aware mm-hmm. that if this goes wrong they could be going viral for the wrong reasons mm-hmm. but on the other side. It's painful getting older if your if your work is your your face and you and you feel that power slipping away. It's really painful, and so they're also incredibly after getting the best possible result, but then terrified of having too much. So it's basically the same as any consultation, but with the stakes dialed up, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and also for any celebrities listening. You, you may the downside of getting the free treatment is that you've changed the dynamic with your injector and you might think that you know enough to to get the right result but there's something to be said for paying your way you know
1: mm, I'm just having a normal dynamic yeah and I think I don't know if this is a sort of might be taking it too far but you know what happened with Michael Jackson you know and and the way that he I, I can't remember exactly what happened but he he was given the wrong medication in the end and everything because it, the implication was there was pressure applied and it no longer became that simple clinician patient relationship which is what it should be
0: yeah yeah so it, it is ex- exactly that because if you can say to everyone i'm michael jackson's doctor you're immediately in a different league but actually says nothing about what, how well you looked after him and how good your treatments were you just happen to be the one who was needed on that particular day and but it but it, you're right you can lose that status if you don't do what michael jackson's asked you for yeah. example so then you end up injecting propofol to put people to sleep which is cr- yeah. crazy but uh, so yeah it's absolutely it's the the, the patient clinician relationship is really quite a sacred thing that's very easy to disrupt because we're humans after all mm. this is the thing it's not like you're born genetically different there's, there's a battle because we all have our own our own goals and you need to be disciplined to keep them separate and uh, the best way to do that I find is just to articulate them just to actually say how, how things work and I do that with all my patients I always say this is my goal this these are your goals we work together to achieve something that's mutual and that helps that you know people then know the rules of the game
1: but with the Michael Jackson example I don't know if it was just because he was known as being his doctor I think that Michael Jackson was just an incredibly powerful person And so the pressure was applied. And I think, interestingly, for people watching this here who don't have celebrity clients, everyone who's watching this here now has had someone who has applied pressure. Oh, one more mil, please. Oh, God, please, can't you find a way? And actually, I think, give us some advice for when it gets you know, it's that point of pressure and you don't, you don't, your gut is telling you to not over treat, but they are pressurizing you. Yeah.
0: By the way, it's not just celebrities. It's, it's everyone's a celebrity these days. Influencers are very common, Mm -hmm. you know, and you've got to have your, in fact, we filmed one of the influencers we worked with years ago, we filmed the consultation and I, and I went through and that was one of the best things we did is is actually saying, well, here's the sequence. Here's what I can do. And here's what I can't do. And you're just like everyone else, and and that was me actually consciously being disciplined. I'm not just looking for something to do so that you'll put it on an Instagram page. I'm trying to, you know, you're maintaining that discipline of, of a clinician with a patient. Um, but sorry, what was your question? <laughs> well, the the, to, the way to get out of over treatment is the same as as everything that we do. It's grounding yourself in that in that ethos of uh, my purpose is to do something that makes you healthier. I'm a clinician, and this is. Hopefully something which will emerge over time everywhere, because I I don't think your foundation day and how to inject dermal fillers teaches anyone anything like this. But essentially, everything that you do, if you're a clinician, is to improve the health of your patients or you can't actually do it. Like it's not like, oh, sometimes you can, sometimes you can't. It's not ethical. It's not part of the framework of being a doctor to injure someone with with a needle if it's not gonna make them better? Like, what are you actually doing? Like, you're you're not, so, so once you accept that, that I have to make you feel better, think differently, behave differently in a way that makes your life better, or I shouldn't do it, or, you know, I'm not saying this is always the outcome, but that's what your reasoning is. This intervention will make you a happier, healthier person, or I can't do it. That gets you out of all sorts of other sticky situations, you know, with dysmorphic patients, people who want too much, because you say to them, I don't think this is going to make you happier or healthier. I might be wrong, but I, ne- I, I don't have the conviction to take the risk. So uh, I'm not even saying, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm saying I don't have the certainty mm-hmm. that this is going to make you better off. And so for that reason, I can't treat.
1: So if a clinician watching this here has had one of their patients maybe inquiring about treatments, but they say, I don't want to look like X, how can we kind of counsel them through that?
0: So the the first thing is never to shy away from the phone picture that comes out. You know, sometimes patients are showing you celebrities so that they can look like them. And sometimes they're showing them so that they don't look like them. And actually, it's exactly the same dynamic. They're trying to communicate with you what they do or don't want. And it's your job as a clinician to try and understand that, reflect it back to them so that they know that you know what they don't want or do want, and then try and build that into a treatment plan in a way that makes sense to them. So unfortunately when you when people are new to this they they have their way of injecting and they offer a service, and they would you like your lips done or not? It's a bit like that. That's very simplistic whereas the the more sophisticated and and, and good you get with the consultation, the more you use everything that's presented in in your favor to communicate better with what you're capable of doing. So you want to hear them, you don't like this picture. well, let me explain to you what's wrong with it and then point out what you think is making them not look right. So that takes some thinking. It's not as easy. It's not something you can click your fingers and just see. Uh, You should really study those pictures and then articulate it well, and then explain to your patient which injections have gone too far and why. In your treatment plan, you're not going to do that. So it's beautiful to listen to. It's a little case study, like a little case where you present your case in return for for their fears. And it's a great way to build trust with your patients if you do that really well. If you brush it off and say, don't worry, I won't do too much, you'll probably get by most days. But give give an A-star answer and they'll be like, fantastic, I feel so much better.
1: They'll feel safer, but also they'll think that you're the shizzle because you've been able to analyse it so beautifully.
0: Yeah, teaching is is basically what you're doing. You're teaching them what was wrong and how you're not going to do it.
1: So anything else we can learn from these cases just to become better injectors
0: it's really important um I'll reiterate it again that you you need to drive to your conscious mind what your unconscious brain knows instantly so w- what is unnatural about these faces make it conscious and then relate it back to individual injections that can be overegged so you know if you if you consider that you know uh, Molly may was another example but jawline that's overtreated from the side great definition as soon as they look forward you've got you know, desperate Dan, and you you can then relate an individual injection to a both a good result, which is the definition, and the bad result. Because what's actually happening with clinicians is that they're often after a good result from one angle that causes a bad result from another angle, or they're chasing a compartmentalized component. So I you know making a a chin square is fine, but if you make it disproportionate to the face, you've you've made it a distraction. And lips are the same. In fact, all treatments are the same. So what you can use these cases of over treatment to do is to is to start to formulate in your mind the injections and their pros and cons so you can say all oh, right i can see how i can downgrade someone by over egging the lower lip angle and then their lower lip looks too wide so i'm going to remember when i'm injecting that that's a potential risk there's an aesthetic risk and an aesthetic benefit with every injection that you do and the more conscious of them you are the better you'll control those variables So why don't you guys drop in the comments what you think I missed out, because I'm pretty sure there are things on the celebrity faces that you've seen that I haven't noticed or said in the video. So it'd be great to hear what you think um, and have a little bit of practice, practice for your patients when they ask you those questions.
1: If you found this video useful, please drop us a like and don't forget to subscribe because we are posting every Thursday night with amazing new content. Switch on the notifications and we'll see you next week.
0: Bye bye.